We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz, presented by OTGBasketball.com. I'm your host, Nick Faye. Back with me, Jack Manuel. How are we doing, Jack? Pleasure to be back. We're spending yesterday watching Joe Harris and D'Angelo videos on YouTube, so it was a good day nonetheless. Getting ready for the Nets season already, Jack. I like to hear that. The Nets haven't really taken any time off from the season, though. Been busy since last time we spoke. Trade signings all over the place. But before we get started, just a quick reminder. Check us out on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, and YouTube. You know, show us some love, subscribe, retweet, share it, and let us know what you think in the comments. But, Jack, let's start with the trade. You know, I didn't expect to see a trade yesterday. I thought the Nets were kind of calmed down, especially after the Sean Marks press conference, but they made a trade with the Phoenix Suns, received Jared Dudley, a 2021 second-round pick, lightly protected in exchange for Darrell Arthur. Thoughts on the trade instantly when you saw it? I mean, if we're looking at this as a second-round pick sort of acquisition, because obviously... Uh, Dudley has been told, I believe that he's going to play. Like he told uh, his Twitter followers and, and us, and we all probably do follow him. I think that he's going to be wearing like the number six, I believe. Yep. So, um, and I think he adds to that. Like if you're looking at a comparison between him and Darrell Arthur, Darrell Arthur has had a, a really long history of sort of injuries. He only played like 14 games last year. You know, Dudley didn't play, but he was healthy. Um, he was, you know, famed for his locker room presence, similar to Darrell Arthur in that sense. But Dudley still has, you know, a little bit of juice left. I know our boy uh, Michael Sanchez of OTG Basketball, big Suns fan, uh, probably thinks he's a little bit washed as well. As as he is, he's probably on his last legs. But he has also told uh, reporters and such that, you know, he's looking leaner. You know, he doesn't want the buyout. He wants to sort of prove himself. So he's saying all the right things. Hopefully he comes into training camp and, and proves that. But yeah, the acquisition of this second round pick, which is only protected, you know, thirty to thirty-five, you know, that's a that's a pretty nice pick. If the Suns, you know, by uh, by whenever it conveys by twenty twenty-one, you know, I, I don't assume them to be like any world beaters. So if we still get that one, you know, and the the draft is 
by that stage likely to be you know include high schoolers as well we could get like a decent asset and also as well you know we could use it in a trade uh, if we do trade for that star as has been rumored so you know just getting those assets as Sean Marks has done is a another very savvy low-key good move yeah it's like Sean Marks is just hitting home runs every time he's up to bat you know what I mean it's like he's getting a hit every time uh Darrell Arthur too there was some talk about him possibly being bought out so getting some value for him for essentially nothing you know taking two million dollars more in cap space like not really a big deal, especially on an expiring situation. And like you said, that second round pick kind of adding to that asset treasure chest. And Jared Dudley, like you also said, you know, he said he's coming into camp in the best shape of his life. He's already lost like 10 pounds. He wants to prove something. And the Nets don't need a lot out of him. If he can just shoot the ball, I think I believe just saw Nets daily in terms of active player, he has the 14th highest career three-point percentage. So not a bad player to have come off the bench if he's in shape and ready to go. Absolutely. We need that three-point shooting like no other. Um, funnily enough, the video I was watching about Joe Harris was was pretty awesome just in the how he showed like the, his form and, and how he likes to shoot it. Jared Dudley, I've actually seen live uh, with my co-host of JBT, Nick, when he uh, was on the Wizards, funnily enough. And, you know, he was a very capable player that night as well against the Pacers, you know, knocking down three-pointers, you know, doing some gritty things. I think, you know, he's going to fit in nicely. And I like the um, the sort of like-for-like like swap when it comes to sort of locker room presence yep. and locker room sort of leadership, mentorship. You know, I, I think Jared Dudley's going to get along really well. He's said to have had a really big impact, a really good relationship with Devin Booker. We've seen what's happened there. Uh, Damari sort of having that relationship with D'Angelo. If you add in Dudley there, Dudley has a really nice relationship with Devin Booker. So via proxy sort of relationship, I think that they're going to get along quite well. Uh, it's sort of, the you know, this sort of harmonious sort of, building in the, in terms of the locker room presence i think is only a good thing and in terms of the value we got for that second round pick when you look at um and i think this is by the next daily article and kevin pelton teams usually buy you know second round picks you know at the draft for like three to five million you know the nevs got one essentially for 2.1 million the difference between arthur's and uh, dudley's contract so and that is an absolute bargain so uh, great move uh, and another low-key sort of tidbit to sort of think about for the Nets. Yeah, because they pretty much didn't really lose anything. Like you said, they're getting another great locker room guy. And, you know, Dudley's been known as kind of a smart player, like an extra coach out there, so he can help mentor the young guys a little bit more. So another A-plus move for Marks in my book. What are your grades on it? Yeah, Kevin Pelton gave it an A. I'd probably give it an A as well. Um, I'm very hard when it comes to giving my A-pluses, Nick. I am a teacher, so I don't give them out, I don't give them out willy-nilly. My kids are going to earn it, and Sean Marks has to earn it as well. I'm not giving any preferences, uh, favoritism or any in that sort of sense. But, yeah, another great move by by Marks, you know. Uh, I, I think any, anything good right now, I can't remember who it was on Twitter, was sort of saying, like, you know, he's hitting singles right now. You were saying he's hitting home runs. But, you know, next season is when it's going to have to be, like, you know, the real sort of home runs. Um, yeah. Start kicking goals, really, not just making those sort of smart passes because, you know, that's when the, the expectations are going to come on the nets. You know, we've got all the space and all the flexibility to make the different moves. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, the route which we take. But I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, no, you're right. It was more, not less of home runs, more base hits, you know, singles, doubles, a yeah. triple here or there, kind of adding to the run total and then eventually kind of cashing out. So... Like you said, it's just been nice to have a great GM and Sean Marks. But moving on to another signing, you know, we had Dylan Jackson on and talk about the signing a little bit earlier in the week, but I haven't got to speak to you about it yet. Trevion Graham signing, two-year deal, you know, a 3 and D guy. Thoughts on him with Brooklyn? Look, we got a steal here. Um, I was sort of seeing Trevion Graham, and I was like secretly hoping that we'd be able to snag him. But I, I thought other teams would sort of be clamoring for him a little bit because, you know, he has, you know, a 3 and D potential, a, a wing you know, probably the most coveted position in today's league. 
and you know he has youth on his side he hasn't reached his potential in, in either area and i'm just like all right cool nets awesome and you know dylan obviously provided such great in-depth analysis um obviously being a follower of him and you know make sure you guys are following whatever he does on otgbasketball.com and on twitter but yeah i just love the signing because you know we sort of have wings but you know ronde isn't really a great shooter but you know travion graham was you know a low sort of a, a perfect sort of uh, utility sort of fit you know plug him in you know he can do those uh, those gritty things uh, i really like the trevor ariza comp because trevor ariza was basically the sort of the glue guy to that sort of houston rockets defense and i think that they're going to struggle without him and i think that we're going to add someone with in travion graham who you know there'll be nights where he might see you know 30 minutes plus if he's you know uh, a, a huge part of sort of that defense identity and he's, made, he's nailing his threes. But there'll be other nights where, you know, I don't think he's got a very low basement as well. So, you know, because of his skill set and because of um, his youth, I think it's only up from here. And, you know, he's got, he's got guys like Jared Dudley and our, you know, our famed player development coaching staff to sort of help him reach at the potential. Yeah, I agree. You know, there's really nothing to lose in this signing. He was solid for Charlotte last year. I know a lot of Hornets fans, including Dylan and Evan, wanted to keep him, but kind of because of the roster and the cap situation, they couldn't. You know, there is some more potential there, too. You know, working with Kenny and the staff should definitely help him more. And like you said, you know, there's probably going to be nights where he might not see playing time, and then other nights where they use him a little bit more when they need some more def- defense and more toughness. And it's been talked about that he can really play two through four. You know, the Hornets used him a little bit at small ball four just because he's so tough, and he's willing to kind of battle down there. Yeah, small ball four. I mean, it, it's great to have that sort of flexibility. I can't remember. It was someone on uh, one of our sort of Nets followers uh, posted out there, you know, the depth chart and the flexibility of, of a lot of our guys to play like, you know, one, two, three, two, three, four, three, four, five, four, five. And yeah, I think Trevion Graham uh, has a sort of similar mold in a sense as well to Joe Harris in the fact that, you know, his sort of range isn't that mid-range at all. You know, it's around the sort of rim, uh, you know, ten nothing outside of 10 feet and this is via Nicholas Latonao as well um, on Nets Daily. And also, you know, that three-point shot. And I think Joe might be able to teach me a, f- a few things or two as well. And for those that haven't seen it, he's, there's an awesome video on Give Me Sport uh, YouTube, uh, a UK publication. Funnily enough, it was in London. And the, the one time I'm back in Melbourne, I don't get to see my boy Joe Harris. Uh, but that's a great video. I'm sure um, plenty of Nets players, Nets followers have seen it. And I think Trevor and Graham can have a look too because the defense... Uh, defensive skill set that Joe has and Trevion Graham has, you know, I'm going to be clamoring to see those sort of lineups as well. Like we can play Joe at the two, Trevion at the three or the four. It's interesting to finally see us and go, okay, well, we've got some defense now. We can actually go out there and sort of, you know, not think that we're going to be a sieve on the perimeter. And that's something that's actually nice to think about. Yeah, and it hasn't been that way in a long time. As well, Dylan also mentioned to me that he believes he, you know, Graham brings some nice hustle too. Just that extra, you know, hustle plays that can be the difference in a game, especially when you're in the amount of close games and that's where last year. Yeah, and I mean, he averaged 0.5 steals, you know, per game um, last year. So it's it shows and in, in limited time, you know, obviously we want those guys to sort of give that hustle, but also not just throwing them out there sort of like, you know, maybe like Quincy AC or Reggie Evans back in the day because they can only do one sort of thing really well. Trevor Graham has like a, a, a bit more of a varied skill set. And I know Coach Kenny's made these comments before uh, and it's in relation to the entire roster and I'm sure it relates to Graham now as well. He doesn't want to put ceilings on players. And in that sense, you could probably say the same thing for Trevion Graham. Yes, he can be a great 3 and D player, but we haven't seen the potential he has on both sides of the floor. Trevor Ariza is one of the best 3 and D guys in the league. Um, 
Is that his ceiling? Probably, but who knows if he can exceed that. You know, if we have injuries, you know, Trevor Graham might start on some nights, but, you know, he'll definitely be seeing minutes, and uh, he's proven that in Charlotte, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him in a Nets uniform. Now, moving on to our next signing, Jack. We also haven't spoken about this one yet either. Either Shabazz Napier signed with the Nets, two-year deal, team option on the second year. Thoughts on this one? I mean, a perfect replacement to sort of have that guard depth. You know, Spencer did when he was quite healthy last season. D'Angelo wasn't. But you're always going to need that extra guard. And I feel like Shabazz Napier in Portland proved that last year. He had his career year. Uh, and, and I think as well, he's not old in any sort of sense. He has a great sort of skill set, great three-point shooter, great passer. Um, you know, obviously not an elite part, not elite in any of these areas, but in terms of what he can do and in the amount of time that he's been given. And I also, I just think that he's going to be able to play off ball as well. I think that this signing at such a bargain rate as well. And Shabazz, we know we've seen the photos on Instagram and Twitter. He sort of talked about that this is a perfect situation for him. So all the Nets guys that we're sort of bringing in are saying the right things. And the fact that they're buying into this and the fact that Shabazz sort of bought in on, on a bargain rate and the fact that, you know, the, the Trailblazers sort of got Seth Curry at a similar rate. Uh, I was surprised to see that they didn't offer the exact same sort of contract to Shabazz Napier. But, you know, that sort of adds to a, a lot of players with a sort of chip on their shoulder and sort of wanting to, have, you know, prove their old team wrong in that sort of sense because, you know, I think he's going to have a big game against his old team at Portland next year for sure. Yeah, it definitely. Shabazz was kind of a surprise signing. Like, it's nice to have him. Losing Jeremy Lin, you add another guard like you mentioned. And I kind of had a feeling they would because, you know, with the injuries they dealt with last season, having another backup. And they could kind of have a fit for Shabazz because, like you said, he can play off ball. Playing with Dame and CJ McCollum, you know, you're going to have to play off ball without the ball in your hands. And back-to-back seasons with over 37% from three. So, obviously, that's nice as well. And like you said, he's saying all the right things. And he's just a really good system fit because he can play off ball. He can shoot the three. He also can create a little bit for himself. And also, like you mentioned, he's young. So, they can get some more out of him. So, the Shabazz signing, another really nice signing for the Nets. And I think also, you know, Napier and Davis, team Nets reunited. And I think that both of them are going to have, you know, obviously a nice little relationship and they could be sort of heading up that sort of second unit. And, you know, it always helps to have that chemistry because, you know, the Nets sort of had issues with that. You know, Alan Crabb as well, former Portland Trailblazer, yep. you know, reunited with, with Ed Davis. Uh, we certainly have a, a nice little relationship going with uh, Portland uh, right now, but it's it's I think it all works out well, you know, because chemistry is such an important part of basketball. Uh, and I think it's probably the most underrated thing. You know, you always talk about the sort of the intangible things. I think chemistry is one really important thing. And I think, you know, th- this sort of the summer training camp, uh, we're going to be following like no other. And I-, I hope that it all sort of meshes well together as it probably likely will. But yeah, Napier, I think he's going to get a really nice opportunity to sort of prove himself. Uh, I- he's proven himself already last year, but I think that's going to continue next year. And, you know, if we lose Jeremy Lim, we get Shabazz Napier. I think, you know, it's, a- it's an upgrade in many ways. Yeah, especially because I think he's more okay playing a lesser role and playing off ball. Like, he can fit a little bit better with the other guards, in my opinion. Obviously, and Jeremy Lin's coming off a major injury, so we still yet to see what he's going to be like when he comes back. But Shabazz, like you said, and he has something to prove. And then the fact it's on a team option for the second year, so if he plays well, the Nets are going to have him next year at a bargain. So not another move from Marks that I think we're both pretty happy about. But you mentioned this too, the depth of this team. You know, just going through it just quickly off the top of my head, at point guard you have guys like D'Angelo, Dinwiddie, Lavert, Shabazz, and then at shooting – these are just that they can play multiple positions. And then shooting guard, Crab, Lavert, Musa, Graham, Dinwiddie, D'Lo, uh, Harris. Harris. Yeah, and then you're looking at small forward. you got Carroll, Harris, Musa, Lavert, Crab, Graham. And then power forward, you probably have the most options. you got Rondé, Dudley – uh, Kurox, Carroll, 
Davis, Fareed, Graham. Like, and then at center, you have Allen, Davis, Fareed. And then if you really wanted to go super small at some point, you could play Rondé. So it's yeah. like there's so there's so many different lineup options that Kenny can throw out next year. Yeah, no, I, I know that I mentioned it probably you know, ad nauseum last season uh, for a lot of Brooklyn uh, Buzz episodes. I was sort of saying that, you know, to have that flexibility, to have that sort of ability to sort of put different looks out there according to like, you know, and there's different teams, you know, that you're going to need to provide different looks, you know, against teams like, you know, the... Uh, where they've got the sort of big bruiser guys. We can now sort of go up against them. You know, guys like Dwight Howard, Vucevic, you know, these sort of seasoned vets that are, you know, going to kill us down the post. You will put in an Ed Davis down there. Um, Obviously, sort of like let Jared Allen sort of play uh, play off ball a little bit, play off, you know, sort of the the big sort of bruisers. And, you know, at the same time, Kuroks can play at the four as well. Uh, It's just nice to sort of see. And the lineups... we talked about already the starting lineup will likely stay the same as last season, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, we see someone force their way into there, you know, whether that's Trevion Graham or an Ed Davis or a Kenneth Fareed um, because of their, their, their on-court play because a lot of these guys are going to be wanting to sort of, you know, put their best foot forward because, you know, whether they're on expiring contracts or they have one season left, um, next year that sort of cap, you know, increases a little bit. So a lot of these guys are going to have, you know, um, I'm, I'm just hoping the cohesion, they all buy into Kenny's system. Uh, but, you know, they're all saying the right things right now. And, you know, I think it's going to be uh, really exciting to have that sort of flexibility. Yeah, and there's a whole bunch of different matchups. I didn't even mention this with Jabaz. He kind of fills the need of having a small point guard. You know, every once in a while, you'll face a team that has a small point guard that's just too quick and shifty for some of the bigger guards we have. Like both Spencer and D'Angelo are 6'4 plus. So having a smaller guy around sometimes can really help. And like you mentioned at the center position, having some bruisers like uh, Ed Davis can definitely help in that area too. So Kenny can literally just have fun with the lineups. That's why I wouldn't be surprised that we don't really see a set rotation for quite some time because they do have a lot of new pieces and I'm sure guys are going to make a jump. And it also helps having players that like a similar skill set because I would say that not all these players are, you know, substantially different in terms of talent. So practice is probably going to be pretty wild for the Nets. It's not going to be like, you know, one guy substantially better than the other guy. Like they're really going to be competing, going head to head for minutes. And you might start, but you might not see the most minutes that game if you're not playing up to standards. Yeah, and I think, you know, Coach Kenny has proven that before. <clears throat> There's plenty of nights where Joe Harris you know, comes off the bench but sees probably the most minutes of any of our uh, of any of the guys in our roster. You know, it's going to be given out to guys who can produce on, on the court and probably off the court as well, you know, be that sort of really sort of positive guy uh, at training, uh, you know, be the sort of glue guy in the locker room. Uh, I don't think, you know, minutes are going to be handed out willy-nilly, but, you know, Coach Kenny doesn't like to play uh, guys, you know, any longer than sort of 33 minutes maximum, depending on, you know, obviously how they're sort of playing. You know, Ronde and D'Lo probably were sort of the only two guys and, and Spencer to to an extent that probably played more than that. There was probably one night where, where my boy Joe did as well. But next year, that could change. Um, obviously, our system can be quite taxing. You know, pace and space getting down in transition. But we do have the guys for that now. So hopefully that means, and the guys that we do have for that now aren't sort of, you know, rookie second, third-year players. They're guys like Shabazz Napier, Kenneth Furry, guys that have been around the league a lot. You know, they've got that base behind them, and I'm sure that they're going to be working hard in the summer. So, you know, that could mean that we see extra minutes for, for a lot of different players. And, you know, it's just positive to sort of see to have that sort of depth you know it's going to be interesting to see how we sort of you know our last for a two-way guy um but obviously it's it's a minor move and i was a little bit disappointed that we didn't get watanabe and he's now in memphis but at the same time you know the the sort of one to 14 now you know we have injuries and the nets have injuries we always have them 
Um, it's going to be awesome to sort of be able to fill in a guy and just go, okay, cool. Ronde is injured. Let's put in Rodions. Let's put in Joe. Let's put in Kenneth. It's going to, it's just awesome to finally have that depth. Yeah, just bringing in solid players where you don't have to worry about, like, can this guy, you know, no offense to some of the two-way players that had to play last season, but they were brought in. You're like, can this guy even play in the NBA? You know, is he providing really any value out on the court? And at least all these guys have some type of skill set and they can bring something to the team. Like we were mentioning off the show, this is the most depth we've seen the Nets have in quite some time. So it's really nice to see. Obviously, they'll hope to upgrade in terms of talent the next season. But overall, from last season's roster, this roster, I would definitely say the Nets got better. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's it's markedly better, Nick. You know, the depth the depth chart, you look at ESPN, you look at wherever it is, there's just so much flexibility. And I think that, you know, we might not be done. We've obviously got, probably got to give out one more contract. Um, but I think this is likely. And, you know, we didn't even mention Jared Dudley uh, as well. You know, he provides, you know, somewhere at the three and the four as well. You know, we're going to have injuries. We had so many point guard injuries. Carousel Burton one day, they were injured for periods last year. And that's where we like sort of really waned off. And if we were looking to sort of, you know, make a name for ourselves this season to prospective free agents, you know, having that depth is going to make it a lot easier. And having that depth, not just in terms of talent with guys like Jadon, Musa, Morion, Kuroks in rookies and first-year guys, in having that depth in guys that have proven themselves in this league in Shabazz Napier, Travion Graham, Kenneth Fareed, Jared Dudley, these guys can step in and have already done it on other teams. They've proven it. You know, we haven't had that in this sort of short mini tenure that the Nets have been rebuilding. And, you know, it's sort of saying, you know, we're hitting those little singles now. And to be able to plug in guys at different sort of positions, you know, if we have an injury at point guard, we're going to have the depth there. We've got Karras, we've got Shabazz to sort of, you know, fill in those spots. Um, and hopefully, you know, knock on wood that we don't have any sort of long-term injuries. But if we have, you know, guys are going to have to rest. You know, we're going to have to have guys, you know, uh, our, our rookies aren't going to be able to play the full amount of games. Now, you know, even guys like Jared Allen are going to have to have their rest in their second Demari. season. So Damari's going to have to have his rest. You know, all these guys are going to have to see some time where, you know, they miss a game or two just for just for injury management, just for just for rest, to rest those aching bodies because 82 games is a long time, back-to-backs and, and the rest. But to be able to just go, all right, let's see, who have we got in the depth chart here at the four or the five or the three? It's just ridiculous how much depth we have at those positions, which are you know, generally a weakness of a lot of teams. But now we don't necessarily have a superstar there, but we have the potential to get one now with all this depth that we have. And we could certainly prove that with a lot of these guys. Yeah, and I think it says the Nets are going to be more competitive because they have a more filled-out team. They wouldn't have signed some of these guys that are a little bit more proven than some of the other guys. And it's really, you know, a positive sign for the Nets, especially going to 2019. Talking about that, you know, we're going to look at some of uh, the quotes from Sean Marks' presser. Just a couple of them, nothing too crazy. You know, here we go with the first one. This is kind of on expectations for, you know, what's going on with the Nets now in this upcoming season. The patience, I can only give credit to ownership that stood by, and hopefully there's something down the road. So between Mikel and Joe, there's been terrific in how they've shown the patience and belief in us. And also the coaching staff. They want to win right now, and I don't blame them. That's part of what I love about our group here. They're competitive as any, but again, I got to rein them back in and say, trust us. If we're trying to build long-term, it's going to take some time. Yeah, I mean, we, we know how long it's going to take, Nick. We've sort of talked about timelines in terms of how, what the Nets are sort of building from. You know, we're building from nothing and trying to build a championship contender, a, a long-term contender. We don't want to sort of just be a flash in the pan, sort of, you know, have one sort of season where we're up the top and then sort of fade away. We want that sustained success that we're seeing from teams like Boston, Philly, 
uh, Toronto. And I think that that's what we're building right now. And that requires patience when you're building from nothing. And, you know, he mentioned the coaching stuff, you know, obviously coach Kenny is probably, you know, pulling his hair out at times with the, the amount of sort of losses and, you know, patience is, patience is a virtue as they say, but it can be hard for guys. And I'm sure plenty of the guys in the locker room as well, that will probably be wanting to sort of get that sort of reward for all the effort that they're putting in. But I think that that's going to happen this year. When you have more seasoned vets on your on your roster, guys that have won before, you know, they might not have won championships before, but then, you know, they've been in playoffs, you know, they've been around that mark. I think that that's going to have a, a good effect, not only on, you know, the, the roster as a whole, but on the psyche of a guy like Coach Kenny. It can sort of ease up on the, the, the burden of the, the coaching side because he's going to have so many sort of player-like coaches that we talked about before. Yeah, and then not to mention the guys from last year obviously got the experience of playing big minutes. Some guys who didn't expect it, they got more many more minutes than they expect going to season like a Spencer Dinwiddie. But on to our next quote, Jack. You can't add everybody at once. It's a slow process and a build. But we but we are certainly excited to add some of those pieces this year and to help us in regard for sure. Yeah, I mean, we wanted net, all Nets fans to still climb for that stretch four. I mean, you can maybe count Trevion Graham to a, to a lesser extent as one of those. But yeah, Rome wasn't built in a day. You know, you've got to sort of bit by bit, piece by piece, you know, do whatever you can. Like we talked about before, you know, Sean Marks hitting singles, sort of doing the, the, right, the right small moves, building up to those bigger moves. You know, he, he preached patience, obviously, as well. So I think both of those things are related. And, you know, we can't do everything at the same time. You know, we sort of tried to do that in the Billy King era and that sort of, you know, fell on its face. So, you know, you'd rather sort of go the sort of slow, patient rebuild and sort of, you know, build build via the assets that you, you're building up, you know, have that sort of flexibility, uh, as Sean Marks also mentioned in his presser, and sort of just go, okay, let's see what we can do from here. We've got the options. What's the market dictating to us? What are other teams doing? What are they trying to do? How can we count on that? How can we get the best sort of summer? How can we build the best long-term roster? How can we win the most games? All those sort of things. Exactly. And talking about flexibility for next year, this is the next quote. It's about being able to stay flexible. And that can happen in a year from now where we'll have mo more tools. At the season-ending press conference, there was a different set of circumstances. So things have changed a little bit in the last three months. We have a, uh, we have a year to prepare for 2019. Yeah. I mean, it's it seems to be that 2019 could be one of the years that, you know, I think Nets fans are growing almost impatient right now. And it's very silly for from my behalf, the fact that, you know, they want it to happen in 2019. They want to get KD, Kyrie, Clay, Kawhi, whoever it is. But at the same time, you know, if it doesn't happen, I think Sean Marks is going to be able to keep that flexibility. Like you've mentioned before, Nick, you know, we don't have to sort of hit the home runs, but we now are probably one of the premier teams who has that, you know, like sort of, you know, LA, New York is a franchise market. And even if we're not, you know, the best team in the East, as long as we're competitive and, you know, we have a good culture and we have good facilities, then teams are going to be looking at Brooklyn and go, okay, well, let's, why not, let's take a look at this. And, you know, obviously over the years, you know, some of these vets will probably be saying, you know, guys might be calling up Kenneth Freed. You know, Kenneth Freed's got his friends in the league, as does D'Lo. They're like, okay, well, so what's the, what's the culture like there? You know, is it, is it worth me sort of signing a long-term contract? And I think that's what Sean Marks is trying to build now. And I think that we're going to have, you know, a, a big off-season next year. But at the same time, you know, at the draft is going to be important for us as well, finally getting our own pick, finally getting, you know, probably, hopefully, our first top 10 pick in the, in a long time. But Not hopefully you know, in my eyes. <laughs> not not hopefully, but at the same time, you know, you know, if by mid-season, you know, the Nets aren't where they want to be, you know, we can trade those expirings and sort of go down the quote-unquote tanking route. You know, we've been deprived of success for so long um at the same time you know we've been 
deprived of top level draft talent for so long um outside of that sort of top 15 range so and and we're obviously going to have two of them now in the denver pick and our own picks so hopefully you know we've got two picks there that can build you know young talent maybe a young superstar that we get out of the draft that no one sees but also that we can you know make a splash on a free agent so sure marks knows what he's doing he's uh he's doing all the right things he's saying all the right things as he always does yeah, I mean, in terms of the pick, it's like a win-win. Like you said, if if they don't have a good season, they're going to get a high pick. If they do have a good season, they're having a good season, they'll probably still get value out of a teens pick anyway. But still, I agree. I think this 2019, prepare for 2019, it's been kind of something like hinting at maybe the Nets could make a splash next year. Maybe they will come away with big free agents. I think like Sean saying maybe preparing too is like, you know, this year they have to prove to free agents and other teams and other agents around the league that, all right, like the Nets are for real. They're they're a competitive group. They're maybe sneaking to the playoffs or at least compete. You know, the coaching staff does a great job of helping guys get the most out of their game. Like if we saw D'Angelo hit that all-star level, I think that would really help the case too. Yep. The Apple fight is certainly going to be on. Yeah. The Apple fight hashtag. Um, Moving on to the next one, and this is kind of about having all the assets. I think what we've done is well strategically looked at various different ways to build, and we've been able to pivot our over the course of these last couple of years. And that's the same case of what we'll do over the next year. Obviously, the cap space and future draft picks and so forth that we've been able to acquire will help in a variety of different ways. Whether that's in free agent market, I have no idea, but it just gives us more tools in the toolbox. Yeah, having more tools in the toolbox can't hurt at all. Um, you know, even if they're not used, even if, you know, Damari Carroll isn't flipped at the trade deadline, you know, he's been an awesome teammate to have around and has added so much value. Uh, Kenneth Faree, you know, Jared Dudley, these sort of guys that could reform themselves, you know, in the, in the half season before that sort of trade deadline, before they can be flipped on their expiring contracts. But having them and being able to already get the assets, you know, we were sort of bereft of, of second rounders. And now we've got, you know, a, a plethora of, you know, decent to, to mid-range second rounders. Having all these different assets just works well to sort of make a trade. You know, the Boston Celtics right now, other than Marcus Smart, weren't able to sort of make a big play for Kawhi because they didn't have those sort of mid-range contracts that you sort of need to sort of, you know, fit into a, a big deal. Whereas, you know, the the Raptors sort of, you know, um, made the most of that. The Nets sort of have that now with guys like Damari Carroll, Kenneth Farid, all these guys are in the sort of mid-range sort of, and then you add in, you know, a guy like a D'Angelo Russell who can prove to be a star. Karis LeVert has potential to be a star. Jared Allen has potential to be a star. Um, it, it just provides us with the flexibility that not a lot of other teams have because, you know, you look at teams like, you know, the Wizards, and I know Nick uh, last night on JBT, he's just like, I feel so insecure now that your uh, Brooklyn Nets are getting so much better. And, you know, they've always been the laughing stock ever since we've been doing JBT and following basketball. But now that I already know that they're a good team on the rise. I need to probably keep insulting them while they're still <laughs> while they're still unproven. So it's it's good to see that even outside fans are sort of noticing us. Yeah, definitely. General NBA is giving us some love too. And like you said, another thing in terms of the trade is um, players aren't getting as teams as much value. You look at Kawhi. You know, Demar Derozan obviously an All Star player, but they only gave up one first round pick in the deal, and it turns it's probably going to turn into a a late first round pick at best. And then they got Yaka Pertle. So getting that, you know, just that move for Kawhi, I think that sends a good message for the Nets is like, you know, they might not need to have a ton of assets to make a big trade. They might have enough already on the roster right now. Yeah, and in the treasure two, chest, yeah. Exactly. We've already got two first-round picks if we wanted to make that trade, um, if, if, it, if it happened before the draft. We've already got, you know, the, the required sort of money and contract sort of status to make that sort of trade. We've got the sort of 
young assets that you know can turn into something um, in, in plenty of guys in our roster, and that's in in part thanks a lot due to our coaching. You know, um, so I think you know having that you know versatility in terms of asset base and in terms of, of contract base uh, is only a good thing when you're trying to sort of you know make a splash, whether that be a trade or via free agency. Yeah, it's and we'll talk about the trade a little bit more. Obviously, you mentioned some of the rumors are definitely starting to heat up. And it's actually coming from non-Nets fans, which I believe Bruce Arthur mentioned Kawhi, Kawhi to Brooklyn as like a real possibility that it's not out of the realm of things. Like there's creating some hype with free agents coming to Brooklyn, and it's just not a fantasy anymore. Yeah, Bruce Arthur on the Zach Lopod sort of was saying, you know, how Kawhi was making calls to team up with guys next year. And it wasn't just to L.A., um, obviously, you know, Kawhi's team, his uncle and the rest have sort of said like, you know, how they want him to sort of be in New York and to sort of build that sort of new super team, you need that contract flexibility. And the Knicks have that for like one superstar for the agent, but they probably don't have it for two unless they sort of make some real maneuverings, which they could, but at the yeah. same time, so do the Nets. Um, hence why, you know, every time that we do a new Brooklyn buzz already, every time that there's sort of, you know, news relating to New York, it's hashtag Apple fight for me because, you know, it's fun to see that the probably the most fun, my favorite city in the world, uh, one of the most fun sort of basketball cities in New York is finally getting some credits and it's finally sort of getting some news around it. And, you know, there's going to be some, some splashes there. I reckon, you know, if it's not us, unfortunately, it's going to be New York. One of us, you know, mark my words, you know, put it down now, you know, Sunday, my time, Saturday, your time, J- July 22, uh, whatever it is, it, that there is going to be a move in a New York team come 2019, whoever it is. This free agency market is too deep and too stacked for it not to happen. And there are too many rumors speaking to the fact that it, for it's not to happen. So um, hopefully it's uh, in the black and white rather than the blue and orange. It could be both too. I mean, it easily, easily could be both. I mean, I would I would take that bet too, Jack. I think probably one top 25 player is going to sign with either Brooklyn or New York. I just think it's very very likely. I don't know who it's going to be. I know you're probably going to ask me that. I just, I, think, <laughs> I just think there's a really good chance that one of the big names are going to want to come to New York. It could be Kyrie, you know, going to sign with the Knicks. It could be Kawhi signing with the Nets. I mean, there's a lot of different possibilities. And like you said, you know, the cap flexibility could even get higher for both teams. The Nets could try to move Alan Crabb if they really wanted to. And the Knicks could move a Joakim Noah or a Courtney Lee. They probably have to give up draft picks. But if you're getting two big stars, you don't really care. You know what I mean? Especially yeah. if we already have young pieces on the squad, which both teams really do so it's good for new york in general and in a way it's good for the nets and the knicks because it kind of you know adds to that uh adds to that dimension a little bit you know new york versus new york the games actually matter it'd be cool to see them in a deep playoff series or something like that but you know obviously a lot of positives still have to happen for both squads i know on knicks fan side that some of them don't want them to go after a big free agent they want them to kind of wait out one more year and then go for 2020 and kind of build on some of the young pieces more i'm sure some nets fans think that as well but we'll definitely see what happens the free agent class is just so deep and then there's going to be a lot of teams i think that are probably willing to move on from some of their uh their players because they're going to want to make a trade and go into full tank mode if things aren't really working out. Yeah, well, this year or next year is going to be a big year for Golden State. You know, that luxury tax, you know, obviously, you know, these guys are billionaires and, you know, the the luxury tax only means so much. But the repeated tax is absolutely ridiculous. It's something like $350 or something along those lines. And Draymond, Clay, KD have all taken sort of discounts along the way to, to be able to create this sort of super team, super duper duper team, death team, whatever the hell you want to call it. And Steph is the only one that's sort of been rewarded with that sort of super max contract. You know, I don't think by that stage, 
you know, whether it's, you know, ownership or whether it's dictated by the players and their sort of agents, that they're going to be going, okay, well, I'm going to take another sacrifice here. Um, you know, I'm not sure which guy is the one that leaves. Uh, it seems most likely to be uh, KD just via um, a lot of rumblings, but you could also see a guy like Draymond leave or Clay seems like he's probably having the time of his life and I don't think that he really cares. But at the same time, you know, we could see Clay in an LA uniform. We could see KD in a Nets or a, or a Knicks uniform. Um, it's just, I think this sort of year's free agency has been, uh, was more hyped and probably didn't produce the results that we saw. But I think next year with the sort of salary cap bump, with the amount of flexibility that a lot more teams have and with the, the stacked class of players available, it's going to be uh, a lot more splashy. And those Woj bombs and those Shams bombs and those OTG bombs are going to be uh, very big. Yeah, it's it's going to be ridiculous. Because I think, in the, not to mention, all of the, I don't want to say all the star free agents, but a lot of the pretty good free agents of this year sign one-year deals too. So there's going to be like a second class of guys. And it's like, all right, there's just going to be a lot of meetings. I wouldn't be surprised if next year it even drags out a little bit more in terms of free agency. Like you'll see the big guys taking meetings and signing on the first week. And then the second week, it'll kind of be some of the like fringe all-stars to the solid rotation guys all signing. So it's a lot of excitement going into next year. And then 2020, I'm sure there's going to be even a great free agent class again. So it's not like you said before, you know, you strike out, you could always go into the next season too. Yeah, and that money keeps on bumping up. You know, the, the salary yep. cup's supposed to bump up again that next year. Obviously, we don't know. Obviously, it's only revealed just before the uh, the, the free agency period. So we don't know how many million. Um, obviously, it's not going to be a huge number. But, you know, teams have, have learned from their mistakes in 2016. Teams like Portland and to a lesser extent LA, but they've all sort of, you know, with the, the retooling, adding Magic Johnson, Rob Polinka, they've been able to sort of head in a different direction. But, you know, teams are sort of, you know, seeing the sort of restrictions that they had back then uh, for that sort of four-year period. But now I think teams are going to get a lot smarter and they're going to be making the, making the right moves. But you know, at the same time, you know, some front officers, you know, <laughs> Kings, are going to make the same, make sort of, same sort of moves because it's just what they do. Even the team like the Bulls, who just locked up a lot of money to guys that you're not really even sure if they're all-stars or even fringe all-stars. And now they're going to obviously, I think they'll still have plenty of cap space next year, but they could have went into next season with a ridiculous amount of money. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like enough for almost three max slots. And then they decide to kind of use that money on things that we don't even really know if it'll work out, but save that for an NBA outlet episode. What yeah. are your thoughts, Jack, on uh, a trade? You know, I asked you a little bit about this on the last show, but I think, you know, the gauge on Twitter's changed a little bit and then also adding the other second round pick and another expiring contract and just some of the, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but just some of the uneasiness of some of the NBA teams and the relationships and the locker rooms. Do you think a trade is even getting more and more likely every week we get closer to the season and closer to the deadline for the Nets? I mean, the, there's certainly that possibility because the Nets are all, always going to be ones that aren't going to sort of like, you know, knock back the phone and just not take calls. You know, I think, you know, San Antonio, when it comes to teams like Dallas and LA, they're like, you know, we're not dealing with them at all. We don't care. Whereas I think Sean Marks being a sort of new general manager and sort of being sort of a bit more open and more, you know, team team to team friendly, I don't think he's going to knock down any sort of calls and any sort of propositions. At the same time, he's not going to make them because we know Sean Marks has that level of, you know, expertise to go, okay, well, this isn't going to help our team. You know, don't even bother with that. You know, call me back with something of, of, of real credence. Um, I certainly think that the closer it gets to the deadline, the more rumblings are going to come out and whether that's, you know, via the Nets or via other teams towards the Nets. You know, we saw, we've seen in Sean Marks' tenure that, you know, the leaks generally don't happen. A lot yeah, of these trades happen. 
And that's the thing relating to Brooklyn that, you know, I, 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 we would have to be very surprised if something comes out because, you know, the Jarrell Arthur, Kenneth Fareed trade, the Jared Dudley trade, all of these things sort of came out, not necessarily out of nowhere because teams and players and, and NBA media uh, personalities were speaking about it. But it wasn't coming via like a leak or via a source from the Nets. It's never via a source from Brooklyn. And I think that speaks to, like Sean Marks was saying, you know, the ownership uh, and the front office and the coaching staff. So I don't think it's going to come via any of those sort of avenues. It may come via the players and, you or know, obviously, agents. or the agents themselves because, you know, you know, they want to make leaks to sort of, you know, build up the value of their of their of their clients or, or themselves respectively so uh, i think that there's certainly going to be uh, a chance and and the closer it gets to that february 15 or whatever it is date uh, that there's going to be you know even more rumblings that it could lead to like you know uh, an earthquake of of moose but i'm not 100 percent set on the fact that it's going to happen because you know sean marks and coach kenny have, have preached continuity and consistency uh, in that sense, and you know, are we going to give up on a guy like not necessarily give up, but sort of you know trade away a guy like a Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, or, or D'Angelo Russell, despite all the sort of time and and energy we've put into them in terms of coaching and sort of building them up in the first place? I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but at the same time, you know, you can't knock back the fact that a guy like a Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard, top 10, top 15 guys, you know, if they're on the market, you know, you're gonna have to sort of you know think about it. Yeah, I think uh, they may maybe not might go for a move like that big. I think they'd probably have untouchable in terms of like D'Angelo, Karras, and Jared Allen. Everybody else, you know, I think they'd be probably willing to move. Maybe, you know, even Levert might not be untouchable at this point with all the point guards they have. Obviously, I don't want to say that, but you never know. <laughs> um, but I think they could probably get away with getting something for a cheaper deal. Like teams just don't have a lot of leverage when trading a star, especially if they're on an expiring contract and you already have rumblings that they want to play with that team. You know, like the whole thing with Paul George obviously re-signed with OKC, but teams were scared to make that move because he said he only wanted to go to L.A. Same thing with Kawhi. You know, teams are losing a lot of leverage when trading a player. I wouldn't be surprised if the Nets were able to make a move for an all-star player. I don't know if it's going to be one of those top 15, top 20 guys, but an all-star type player with just using the Denver first-round picks, some of the second-round picks, and maybe like a Rondé and a Spencer or something like that. You know, they might be able to make a splash trade without having to give up one of the big pieces, which I think would make a lot of sense, especially because it could help them next offseason in terms of trying to attract the big free agent. Like, we already have this guy. We're going to re-sign him. You know, come play with us. We already have that one all-star. D'Angelo might be an all-star soon. Jared Allen, LaVert are growing. Like, come come play in Brooklyn. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think a trade would help them a lot in 2019 offseason? No, it absolutely wouldn't. You know, to have that sort of, you know, solidified star who's already proven themselves. You know, we've talked about sort of the the fringe guys and the sort of fringe starters that we've got now that have proven themselves, you know, as capable NBA players. But to have a capable all-star on your roster is just an, an easy way of being able to attract free agents. You know, LeBron James, you know, right now, you know, obviously all the moves that they've made have been, you know, mean team worthy in that sort of stuff. But <laughs> we, we have a guy, you know, he's, he has the cachet around him that, you know, guys want to play with LeBron James. Guys want to play with stars. Kyrie's mentioned before, and, you know, we, I had a chat about this on, on JVT, which will be coming out soon, um, about the sort of the new mentality of a lot of these free agents of the current class, guys like Jimmy Butler, Kyrie Irving, and maybe to a lesser extent, Kawhi Leonard. You know, the championship or bust mentality, I don't think is in their mindsets anymore. I, I think that they're just wanting to enjoy their basketball. Kevin Durant probably had that initially, but he's got that validation now. And I think he probably has a similar sort of mindset where it's just like, he just wants to hoop and have fun. 
And I think Kyrie, Jimmy, and a lot of these guys who are probably around that Team USA uh, have that similar mentality. And you can do that having fun in New York. You can do that in Brooklyn. You know, it's one of the best cities in the world. You know, you've got so many different options. You know, you're at the peak of your sort of, you know, uh, life where you've got, you know, you've got money to burn. You've got so many places to see. You've got so many cool people you can hang out with. So many different opportunities for marketing. Uh, Brooklyn is one of the key hubs of the world. New York is the key hub of the world to sort of make a name for yourself. You know, concrete jungle where dreams are made of. Shout outs to Hove. But um, <laughs> I think that there's, you know, that mentality is going to work out well if those players still have it, which I think they do. Kyrie's got a ring already. You know, Jimmy doesn't, so he might think differently. Kawhi's already got a ring. Katie's already got a ring. These guys don't need to really prove themselves in that sense. Jimmy maybe might have a different mentality, but at the same time, I think because he's so close with guys like Kyrie Irving that he'd just be happy to, to play some basketball with his mates. Um, so and I, I think, think that even that... if you're playing with like a big, like if you're playing one of your friends and they happen to be one of the top five players at the position, you're still putting yourself in a position to win a championship, especially moving to the Eastern Conference, which we didn't even touch on yet is the East is a lot easier than the West. You want to go play Golden State, you want to go play Houston, you want to go play the Lakers, who's probably going to add another star at some point, either this year or next year. You know, the East is looking a lot easier. Yeah, and I think outside of Boston, and if Boston lose Kyrie, that lessens their sort of cachet. You know, the Sixers are generally going to be the team to sort of watch over the next five years or so. If the Nets can add superstars in Kyrie and Jimmy, who still have, you know, plenty of time left in terms of their peaks, you know, that automatically makes them a top three, top four contender. You know, Washington doesn't have the flexibility to really do anything. Toronto, if they keep Kawhi, does. But they don't, outside of Kawhi, they don't really have anyone. Kyle Lowry's aging. Serge Barker's contract isn't that nice. Jonas Valanciunas' contract isn't that nice. They've got DeLon Wright, Fred Van Vliet, and OG Ananobi. But the Nets have, you know, this crux of players now that can sort of give them that flexibility. And adding superstars in that, you know, automatically makes them a contender. Um, does it make them a championship contender? Who We'll have to wait and see in terms of how they build around those superstars if they get them. But it certainly puts your name at the forefront, especially in the Eastern Conference, like you mentioned, Nick. Yeah, and then just like the idea that they could possibly sign a Kawhi Leonard about him having the idea of bringing a super team to Brooklyn is just super exciting. You know, you add a top five player in the league if he comes back 100%, and then you add another all-star, you're just in a really good position in the East. Like, I just love where they're at. And then they'll have, if they don't make a trade, they'll still have some assets moving forward in terms of second-round picks. They have the rookies on the deals. They have Jared Allen and Karis Avertz on rookie deals. Like, there's a lot of different options in flexibility with the team. And then they'll have a ton of bird rights, too, going to next offseason. So they can make moves, go over the cap, which I'm sure isn't a big deal for Mikel because this team that they'll have next year, if they were to add stars, is going to be better than that KG, Paul Pierce team. So I think the Nets are just, it's just, it's kind of really exciting. Like, it feels like this is the best time to be a Nets fan in a, in a long time. Like, there's just so many different options. Yeah, they could strike out, but just the possibility of signing one of these guys is amazing. Yeah, and you're going to hear it all on the Brooklyn Buzz, that's for sure. Yeah, we'll probably be talking about this for the rest of the year, you know, Pretty until much. next offseason. I mean, there's going to be plenty of rumors all the time. And like Jack said, when, you know, there's rumblings as the season progresses, guys aren't happy, you know, teams weren't working out. Like, say, Washington needs to get rid of one of their big-name stars or Kevin Love's on the move and you can get him at a cheap price. Like, there's a lot of different options out there because a lot of teams are going to be disappointed with how their season goes. It always happens. There's injuries. Guys don't play well. They're out of shape. There's not chemistry. They lost a big star. They didn't think it was going to matter as much. And now all of a sudden they need to trade the pieces and go to full rebuild. Yep. 
So I, it's just it's a really exciting time to be a Nets fan, and I'm sure not many Nets fans could have said this three years ago until Sean Marks took over. You know, he's done such a great job of giving us just hope alone, but also just getting the team in a great position. I've said this to numerous people. They're like, oh, I really like what Sean Marks has done and all this. And I'm like, yeah, it's amazing he's done this in such a short amount of time. If you told me the Nets would be in this position now, I probably wouldn't have believed you. I think it would have took at least five years to get them respectable. And now all of a sudden yeah. they could go into next offseason and come out as one of the best teams in the East. Obviously, that's a best case scenario, but it's a realistic scenario, especially when you have guys across the league saying the Nets have a real chance to sign these free agents. It's not just like, you know, Nets Daily or Nets Beats writers or somebody along those lines. It's like actually NBA media guys. I believe it was Steve Kyler who said that like the hype for Brooklyn is real. He's talked to players and they're they're mentioning Brooklyn as like a real free agent location. And like you talked about, the fact it's in New York, there's so many different options. You get to play in Barclays, one of the nicest arenas in the NBA, one of the nicest practice facilities in Brooklyn as well. Imagine having a meeting with a top free agent on the courtyard on top, seeing the sky line of manhattan like yeah this is where we're gonna have practice all the time so get used to it yeah it's just it, it all bodes so well hashtag and marks we trust yeah hashtag apple fight hashtag buzzing <laughs> hashtag buzzing yes jack as always it's a pleasure to have you back on i missed you for that week those two episodes were hard to do without you but <laughs> <laughs> big thanks to everybody for always listening show us some love on itunes block talk radio ochibasketball.com and google play sugar ray leonard roberto duran Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.